Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Rich, and I'm one of the co-lead pastors. If you're still getting coffee, that's fine. Uh, Go ahead and find your way back as we're going to get started. I want to say thank you for joining us. It is um, a joy. It's a privilege. It's an honor to be here with you, to worship with you, to pray, to take communion and remember what Jesus has done for us. And uh, thank you. Um, also want to say to those of you who are live, listening online on our live feed, either now or later down the line, thank you for joining us in that capacity as well. Today we are closing out our sermon series called Flourish, and in it we've been discussing what it means to flourish as God intends. And we identified the best word in the scriptures to describe this idea of flourishing to be this word shalom or peace. And that word, shalom, literally means wholeness, completeness, tranquility, wellness, perfectness, fullness, rest, and harmony. Essentially, what it means is that everything is right, that everything is as it should be according to God's will. And this is what God intends for all of humanity and all of creation to experience. We then looked at the three foundations of what it means to flourish. And we first looked at this idea of identity, that we are all image bearers of God and how we are to live out the realities of what this truly means in our day-to-day life. We then looked at what it means to belong and that as followers of Christ, we're not in this alone, but we are all in this together that Christ came to join us in the process of bringing about this shalom into our world. And then lastly, we looked at this idea of purpose and how with our identity as image bearers of God, along with the faithful presence of God through his Holy Spirit, we also receive purpose. We get to join together as a body with this purpose, to be co-laborers with Christ, looking to make all things new, working with God to reconcile all things to him, to be, as the scriptures call, peacemakers or shalom makers, helping other people know and experience what it really means to flourish as God intends through a relationship with Christ. Then, last week, we looked at the reality that we all too often get, and that is when we get into a place in life where we feel essentially stuck in any of those three foundations, stuck in our identity, stuck in our feeling of belonging, stuck in our feeling of purpose, and rather than grow in our understanding and experience of what our identity means, what it means to belong, and what it means to have purpose, we instead, we get comfortable. And what happens when we get comfortable? We start to look like this. Um, Comfort isn't a bad thing by itself until we get stuck. And when we get into a place where we're comfortable, let's be honest, we get lazy, we don't want to move, and we don't want to change. And we think everybody is needing to take care of us. My daughter right now, for some reason in the morning when we have breakfast, and we're sitting at the table to have cereal, and there's four boxes of cereal. Um, Granite cereal is not very heavy. Every morning, she's like, can you pour the cereal for me, right? Or can you pour the milk for me? Or, Or this, that, and the other. Well, I can. You are very capable of doing this, but she has gotten very comfortable with me doing things for her. And we all like people doing things for us, right? But I want you to hold this image because this image applies to everything in our life when we get comfortable. 
It doesn't matter the category, whether it's work, home, relationships, family, our marriage, our neighborhood, how we engage with people, you name it. And, and so when Greg talked to us about this, the, the, the fear is that when we get stuck, we don't move. We don't get up. We don't do the things that we're designed to do. And so we're reminded that our molds need to be broken up sometimes. Even though we have an idea of our identity, we have an idea of who we are and our belonging and our purpose, sometimes we get stuck and we're not doing any of those things. We need to be reminded again and again of our need for God that we cannot do this stuff on our own. We can't get ourselves so comfortable that we get stuck. We need to own our need for God. Remember, Greg gave these examples by looking at the story of Peter. And remember, Peter starting off, he's, he's this fisherman, which basically means he hadn't been picked to be a, joining with a rabbi in their mission. And so he's doing his trade. He's, he's kind of moved on from that. And here, his mold gets broken where Jesus says, no, 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 I want you to be one of my disciples, right? Then he sees Jesus walking on water and he's thinking of the mold that he's lived in and that is one where you do not walk on water and yet he gets invited to do that. He gets overwhelmed with doubt and starts to sink. His, his molds are getting broken. At one point, Jesus says, you're the rock I'm gonna build my church on. And at the same time, this is the same person that denies even knowing Jesus multiple times. What I want us to hear, church, and what I want us to understand is that I believe God is calling us to be honest about our identity, to be honest about our sense of belonging and purpose. And I believe God is inviting us to experience what it means to truly flourish. But it's with this invitation that comes a call to break the molds, to change, to get up out of our barca lounger, to move and to be active, to be peacemakers. Shalom makers in our world. And that cannot happen unless we move. Which leads me to our conversation for today, and that has to do with how we engage with and affect our culture. So before we get started, um, I want to open this up with a little bit of prayer. So join me. Father, Son, Spirit, as we have already spent time in your presence, as we've been reminded of what you've done for us, and the things that you call us to, and the goodness of your grace and mercy. God, help us to hear from you this morning. Help us to um, hear the call that you bring to us, and help us to respond to that. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we begin, I want to say right up front that much of my content is based off the work of Seth McCoy and a topic that he taught on called culture making, which is fantastic. But for today, I want us to close out this series looking at what it means to flourish as we have been attended to by God and how that comes into play with the way we engage and affect our culture. So for a moment, I want us to just think about how we deal with culture. When something's going on in our world, something new is happening, whether it's good or bad, how do we engage with it? And I wanna throw out kind of the top four ways I think we generally do that. The first way we engage with things is by condemning it. Right, This new thing, we don't like this new thing, there's problems with it, whoever created it is bad, made bad choices, this is wrong, right? Sometimes 
we engage with whatever that thing is, but we're doing it not because we think it's good, but, but we want to critique it, right? We want to understand what is going on in our society, why this would be happening. And so we critique it and we say, well, that's not how it should be. Back in my day, we're blah, 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 and we critique it, right? The third way we engage with it is that we copy it. And sadly, Christian culture makes really bad copies of things. And so uh, just recently, we were at our annual conference, and um, I, some of you may or may not know, I do enjoy coffee. And uh, this conference was happening at the main resort, but then also at this church. And this church has its own um, coffee place called Hebrews. <laughs> okay. Um, there's another church we've been to that has um, Jehovah Java. Yeah. And there was another one, for some reason the image isn't showing up, but it was called Holy Grounds. And, um, and, and I, I'm not, I would tell this to them, the coffee is not good. Okay. And so here we're taking this idea, something that's happening in our culture, especially in the Pacific Northwest, it's a good thing. Um, we're copying it and not doing a very good job of it, right? And so that's what happens. The fourth thing that we often do is we just consume it, whatever it is, right? We don't condemn it, we don't critique it, we, don't, we just dive right in. So think of it as that movie that's supposed to have a bunch of content that's probably not good for us to see, we just consume it anyway. So this new food thing, or this new song, whatever it is, these are the four general ways we respond. And I want you just to take a moment and think for yourself, just hearing this, how do you generally respond to things that are welling up in our culture? What's the way you typically approach what is happening and what is growing in our culture? Whether it's uh, a new movie or a new song or a law that has just gotten passed or political candidate and their views, or a new class that's being offered at your school, or my kids just recently changed soccer clubs. We've been the same club for years, and we just changed. What do we do with that? New food combinations. How do you respond when new things in the world confront you? And what I'm hoping you hear and wrestle with today is that instead of just reacting to culture, we as followers of Christ should be creating culture. Not just watching the culture others are making around us and reacting to it. Rather, we are designed at our core to be creating it ourselves. Now, with that, I want to acknowledge that lots of Christians, maybe many of us, when we think about culture, we have two primary scenes, primary stories in mind from the scriptures that affect how we think about and engage and go about processing culture. The first is in the scene in Genesis chapter 3, where humanity decides to do things on their own, without God. Sin enters the world and everything goes bad from there, right? And it's continued to be the case ever since. And so it has this effect on how we see and view what's going on in our culture. And there's this other scene in Revelation chapter 20, uh, where we see what happens at the end of things, and there's this lake, and th which for us non-swimmers is not good, but this lake is on fire, uh, which is horribly bad, right? Never good lakes of fire. Um, and so those are kind of these two primary scenes that we think about that have an effect on how we 
think about culture and what is happening in our world. The problem with these two scenes is that they don't capture the full story, though. And we need the full story to help us understand how flourishing and culture should come together as God intends. So if you have your Bible, you could go ahead and turn it to the very first page of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Um, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It'll be available on the screens for you to follow along. Um, but I want us to kind of dive in here so we get a bigger, fuller, more accurate picture of what's going on here. So starting with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and um, Megan is going to read that for us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater lights to govern the day and the lesser lights to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. 
and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So we see, God starts creating, is making things, the sky, the water, the sun, lights, stars, animals, you name it. And every time, what we see is it's good, right? From the very beginning, from day one, from verse one, the beginning, everything God created is good. Now, as we continue, I want you to look at what happens in verse 26 and on. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that the earth and all the birds, sorry, and every living tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Thank you. So God then creates humanity male and female, and they are made in the very image likeness of this triune relational God that has been creating everything from the very beginning. And these beings are not only made in this image, with this image in mind, but they are given the job of ruling and overseeing and stewarding and caring for and naming all of these creations. So now with humanity created in God's image and with this charge, things change. Now God looks again at what he's been creating and steps back and now it's very good. Why does God say that? Why now with humanity in the mix is it very good? And I want us to hear first and foremost that culture as God intended it is good. And I also want us to understand the way we are designed to affect it. And so in order to do so, I want to give us a couple quick examples. This here is a coffee bean tree. Looks lovely all by itself. By itself, it's good. It's not a bad looking fruit. Doesn't look like pineapple. So you might want to try it. Um, But if you ever try it, you'll find out it's not the most tasty, right? Uh, This is a picture of uh, the anatomy of a coffee bean, how it starts, where it becomes, and how it gets to where we get to these days. Now, at some point in history, someone somehow figured out how to make coffee. 
out of this. Amazing. Thank God, right? Now, coffee bean by itself is great. Now, this is an image of some milk. Milk by itself is also quite a very good thing. Um, the thing about milk is if you're lactose intolerant, you might not enjoy it nearly as much as I do. Um, but milk by itself is good. We got coffee bean by itself is good. This um, vanilla beans also by itself, not the most attractive thing in the world, but we get to enjoy the benefits of what this does, right? Now, you take these things Put them in the hands of a barista at Cafe Javasti with a brand new espresso machine, and now you get my double short vanilla latte, which is very good. Okay? So, all these things by themselves, all on their own, are good, but somehow you bring them together, and it's very good. So, you have good, and you have very good. What's the difference? Seth McCoy gives us an equation to think about. According to God's design, good plus you equals very good. Good plus you makes it very good. Interesting. Now, as another example, pasta by itself, it's it's good. Some of you might be able to eat it, not as many of you maybe. I get to enjoy it. Tomatoes by themselves, good. Cheese, great. Garlic, onions, you name it. A little salt, a little pepper. You get all this kind of stuff. Oh, I got sausage apparently in the picture as well. And so you put all those things together, all by themselves are good. You put them together and now you have lasagna, which is very good, right? We all understand. So it takes a human being taking these things and making culture, taking things that are basic and elemental, things that are good on their own, but because you are there, you take those good things and you make very good things. Now, according to Genesis chapter one, what's God's vision for the world? Is it good or very good? Very good. Everything God made was good. Then God adds humans into the mix. And now humans can take all the good stuff and they can create things that are very good. Why? Well, because human beings are made in the image of God. What did God make human beings out of? Anyone? Dirt, dust. God took dirt. God comes as a gardener. Plants, tends, creates, cultivates. And his most beautiful creation is you and me and all humanity. God makes us out of this dirt, this basic elemental thing. God cultivates. And cultivate is where we get the word culture. It's where things grow. So now if you remember, the story goes on that we're looking at in Genesis. Humanity ignores God, tries to do things on its own, right? We still do this today, every single day. It doesn't work. It's madness. So God comes to earth again, this time in the form of a human, in Jesus. And um, what was Jesus' day job? He was a carpenter. So he's a maker, He was a builder, took things and put things together and made amazing things. So now we have God and we take these basic things and put it in the hands of God and God makes things very 
good. And again, we as humans, whether we even realize it or not, we make culture and God doesn't condemn us for doing so. But as we've discussed in this series over and over again, the problem isn't us creating things or making culture, it's that our culture is broken. And it's not flourishing as it's designed to. And we know this is true because if it was true, everywhere we would look, we would see people taking basic good things and making beautiful things all around us. The reality is, although we are made in the image of God, who's a maker and a creator, we as humans, made in the same image, have the ability to make good things, but we can also make bad things. For example, you take dough and you roll it out, you add a little red sauce and you add some cheese, maybe throw some pepperoni on it, and then you do the unthinkable and you throw pineapple on it. Why would you do such a thing? Why would you do? This is how you eat pineapple pizza, just in case you're wondering. You cut it and then you just throw it straight, <laughs> straight to the garbage. <laughs> Had to work that into my sermon somehow. All right, let's talk about flourishing, not the evils of pineapple. So we get this, right? We, we've all had bad coffee at Hebrews or Jehovah Java or someplace else. What's the difference? How does it go from one person being able to make something good and someone making it really bad? What, how does it happen? We get very good and we can get really bad. And the difference is us. It's, as Seth puts it, operator error. And we aren't going to spend a lot of time on this, but ever since the fall with Adam and Eve, the story we've been talking about, the story continues and it just gets worse and worse. Keep trying to do things all on our own. We keep trying to do all this. Blame comes into the world. Shame comes into the world. Hiding, hatred, murder. It's all birthed into our world and humanity. And it continues all the while we're making things still. That's what we do. But later in Genesis 11, humanity is now making a whole city. This huge tower is in the middle of it. And who's that tower in honor of? Not God. It's in honor of humanity. It's, it's this tower designed to show God we don't need you anymore. And that's what's wrong with our culture. Not that humanity makes things. We can't help but not make things because we are designed to make things in the image of God. But the main component that causes what we make to be very good or very bad lies on each and every one of us. And particularly it lies on the why you do what you do. Are you making and creating things for your glory, for yourself, or for the glory of God? Because whenever we try to do stuff for ourselves, it doesn't go the way we hope. It doesn't go the way God intended. And so what we've been hearing, hopefully in summary, is that culture by itself is a good thing, but it's also broken. And lastly, I want us to see that at the end of this biblical story, uh, what happens and what we are called to as Christ followers as a result. So if you think about back to Revelation, what happens to culture at the end of the Bible? Does it just all get burned up in this lake of fire? Or does culture get renewed? And to get at this, let's take a look at the scripture. So again, you can follow along, but this is Revelation chapter 21. These are the first two verses. It says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out from, of heaven from God. Now, I want you to notice, we are not back at a garden scene, right? This isn't this complete redo. Let's go right back to where it all started. In other words, um, God is doing something with what's already there, right? It's not back to basics. Instead, we see this holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven. The verse continues, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God, faithful presence. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Can you imagine no tears, no more death, no pain, no mourning. None of this because the old order, the old culture has passed away. Then we get to verse 5, and it says this. He was seated on the throne and said, I'm making everything new. Notice God doesn't say, I'm done with culture. There's going to be culture, but God is renewing it all. Now, this, the scripture continues. We get to chapter 22, starting with verse 1 and 2. It says, Then the angel showed me this river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. It's flourishing, in other words. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now, before I say this, I want to remind us, we've talked about this idea of the vine and the branches and how we're designed to be relationally interconnected with God, right? That when you separate those things, it doesn't go, right? You sever the branches from the tree and it's doomed, right? We're designed to be together with God. And so here we have this picture again, this tree of life, and it's flourishing, and it says that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And what's fascinating is that word nations is the word ethnos, which means culture. And it's the same word Jesus uses when he says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, all ethnos, all cultures. Make disciples of every culture. This is what God has called us to do. And I want us to notice two things with this as we get closer to our end. The first is that when God's making all things new, all the cultures and all the nations are present. The only difference is that all the cultures are now healed. They don't disappear, they don't get destroyed, but they are brought back to the full flourishing that they were intended to experience. They are renewed and no longer broken. And friends, that, that should be some serious good news because each and every one of us are part of the culture, right? And we don't get destroyed and our self doesn't disappear. No, we get restored and we get fully renewed. Amen? Amen, that's awesome. Now, the second thing to notice with this ending is that as followers of Christ, our most significant call is to partner, to co-labor with God in bringing about this renewal right now, 
right? That's again, being peacemakers, shalom makers, and creators of very good culture. And it's not gonna happen if we're sitting like our first image, right? It won't happen in our workplace, in our families, in our marriage, in our relationships, in our communities, in our church. It doesn't matter where you put that. If that's how we're living, we're not gonna be able to experience this and live into the call that we have. Now, I'm gonna invite the worship team and the prayer team to come forward, and as they do, I wanna give us a couple things to ponder as a form of application, a way to make this personal. Um, The band is going to play in a few minutes instrumentally to give us space to allow us to reflect um, and engage in this. And I'd also love to hear from you. So if you'd be willing to, um, there's connection cards on your seats. You could flip it over and um, share your thoughts as well. And just as an encouragement, this is super helpful for us as staff as it helps us know how to pray for you, help us to understand how our congregation is engaging with this content. So if you'd be willing, that'd be fantastic. And as you leave today, each door has a wood box. You could slide that in. But with that said, I want us to ponder a couple things. The first is that I want you to, again, imagine the idea of planting something new and what it takes to help it grow. We see these images of scripture all the time. And they're always things that are growing, that are being cultivated. We hear the word maturing. We have that image of being connected with the vine and the branches. And this process is not something that happens by itself, right? So I want you to hold that in your mind. And as we've discussed in this series, the process of flourishing or experiencing the shalom of God comes from our relational connection with God, our owning our need for God, and that we recognize that without God, we can't do anything. So with that, My question for you is, what are you planting in your life? Maybe another one would be, where are you growing? And I want you to think about the ground of which is in your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Is it, when you think of it, do you think of it as fertile? Do you think of it as nutrient-rich? Or is it full of weeds and rocks? Or is it dry? And I want to be clear, none of those things are, are wrong, like, You're less than us. We all have one or more of these in our lives in every different category you put us in. The thing is how we own it and we do something about it. So how are you doing with this? Where are you planting things? Where are you growing? And how are you feeling heart, mind, soul, and strength starting with our relationship with God? The second thing is then, where have you gotten so comfortable that you no longer move or grow? Whether it's your identity, whether it's your sense of belonging, whether it's your sense of purpose, maybe it's just your owning your need for God. You've gotten comfortable and you don't do that anymore. Maybe you've worked at the same place for the last 30 years and you've never had any desire to move, to grow. Maybe it's in your marriage, your friendships, your school, whatever it is, Where have you gotten so comfortable that you no longer move or grow? And to be clear, I want us to be thinking about this with all those categories in mind, right? Not just 
spiritually, although spiritually is incredibly important, but I really want you to think about your whole story, your school, your hobbies, your relationship with God, your neighbors, teammates, your political views, how you spend your time, everything. Where are you growing and where have you ceased to grow? And the third question is, you see, where is God calling you to create culture? To take things that are good, to enter into those, to engage with those and bring those things together in such a way that makes things very good for the glory of God. I'd love to hear where that is. I would love to be praying for you with that. And with that, I would love for you to remember that our prayer team is over here and they would be honored to pray with and for you. However that feels like you might feel moved to, feel free to take advantage of that. But I want you to take advantage of this time as the band plays instrumentality just to use it to pray, to confess, to own, uh, to give thanks, to receive, to be filled, to dream. Whatever it is you feel called to in this time, um, I'm gonna close us in prayer um, and then the band's gonna play so you can reflect Um, But I also want to note, we're going to sing a a new song this afternoon as our closer. It's it's an easy one to follow, um, but if you'd rather, feel free to just sit back and listen and let it be your prayer, Um, as I think it kind of gives us a good closing song as we end this series. So let me close us in prayer, give you space to reflect, and then we'll sing one last song of response. Father, Son, Spirit, I just thank you. Thank you for the way you create. You take things that we could never imagine or even see goodness out of like dirt. And then you make incredibly beautiful things. And you create us in your likeness, in your image, and you invite us to rule over and to steward and care for everything, God. And you invite us to be uh, creators of culture who bring about your shalom, your peace, who help renew things for your glory. And so, God, we ask that you would give us vision on what that means, and not just for what that means outwardly, but with regards to our own selves. Show us where we've gotten stuck. Show us where we need our molds to be broken up and renewed. Show us those areas where we have been doing things for our own glory that we might be transformed for your goodness, for your glory. That we'd bring about the transformation that only comes through a relationship with you to others. So be with us in this space. Help us to reflect on these things, God. Help us to apply these things. Help us to be transformed for your glory. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.